Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank Discussion with Passion on CJD 800. Welcome to the program, and this is a show about love, sex, and relationships, heard nightly here from 10 to 11 p.m. Tonight, I want to talk about communication. Now, we all know, and we can all agree, that communication in any relationship is absolutely vital. But sexual communication, I think even more so, and unfortunately, one of the hardest things to do. So tonight we'll give you a little bit of advice and we'll look at what is sexual communication, how does it differ from non-sexual communication, and uh, how do you start the conversation, and what does it mean to communicate sexually. So those are some of the things we'll uh, cover after 10:15. But first, time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514-800. All right, let me get to some of your questions. Some of you have emailed me, and that's great, uh, to laurie at drlaurie.com. I listened to your show in my car on the way home with a coworker. This is after last night's show. Unfortunately, we missed the start. I'm the woman who emailed you about the two little a-holes in the elevator. We loved tonight's show, and it was the first time she listened to your show, and she is now a fan. We both laughed at the poem you read. Who is the passion poet? He has written some amazingly touching poems, but tonight's was hysterical. Um, Trouble Tuesdays are by far the best, and from what we hear from the listener response was, it should be twice a week. My friend was in awe and learned a lot in the time we listened. She is the shy conservative type, so you can imagine her reaction to tonight's show. We all need a Dr. Lori sometimes, and I am grateful. Well, thank you for that. That's uh, very kind of you. 514-800, by the way, if you want to text in uh, your thoughts, uh, you want to text in your questions, you could do that. I listened to your show for the first time last night and truly enjoyed it. I was amazed at the questions and comments that you read, and even more amazed, you have the younger generation tuning in. I'm a 55-year-old single woman, but with a little makeup and right clothes, I can pass for someone in their late 20s, early 30s. Most take my daughter and myself as sisters. My daughter, who uh, is 21, her and I have been alone together for the last 11 years. We get along great and we are good friends and she knows she can talk to me about anything even though I blush at the word penis or vagina. Last week, one of her friends was sleeping over and I was working late. I got home around 11.15 and they were both on the couch watching a movie with just panties on. It is not uncommon for myself or my daughter to cross cross paths from shower to room nude or just a towel, but this was uncomfortable. My problem is this. I got sexually aroused by her friend. These are adults. Let me just point this out. This is first time I ever got aroused by anyone of the same sex, and I'm pretty sure she was aroused by me. Following day, my daughter commented that her friend said that I was pretty hot. I asked her if she was bi or lesbian. She told me she is definitely not lesbian, and most women are a bit bi deep down and laughed. Asked her if she was bi, and she just laughed at me. I did not get an answer. I've not been with a man in five years, and I love men, but dates I go on. Men think because they buy you dinner, you have to put out or think they have touching privileges. I don't think so. I speak to other single women who tell me they experience the same thing. But my arousal to my daughter's friend is really bothering me. I never gave any thought to having sex with a same-sex partner until now. Help me, please. So, 
let's talk about this for a minute. First of all, these are simply thoughts, you know, you were uh, aroused. In other words, you found somebody um, sexy or arousing or what have you. It's, it's a thought. It is a trigger, but it doesn't imply or mean that you are somehow a repressed uh, lesbian. So, in fact, studies have shown when they look at um, arousal, like they've they've tested w- using uh, different kinds of porn, so same-sex porn, opposite-sex porn, even animals having sex, whatever it was, they've tested di- all the different groups. And what they found was that women can be aroused by any form of sexuality, whether it's uh, gay porn, even the animals having sex, somehow the women responded, not in their heads. They didn't in their heads say, oh, wow, I'm aroused by this, but their bodies showed a response. That doesn't mean that they're attracted to animals. It's just that women's sexuality seems to be maybe a touch more fluid, and so they can find... um, many different types of scenarios uh, arousing. That doesn't necessarily mean that you are bi or you, at this point you can be bi-curious. Maybe it's something you, you want to explore. But when it comes to this particular person, don't put too much emphasis on this. It was a thought. Uh, a thought is simply a thought. You don't have to do anything with it. You don't have to take it anywhere. It doesn't have to mean anything. So, but the more you obsess over it or the more you worry about it, the more power you give this thought. So just, just, uh, kind of remember that. So, um, doesn't sound like a, a truly, a, a big deal or a major question, but if you, you know, start thinking about your sexuality, start thinking about what it is that you like, what it is that you want, what it is that you're looking for. And maybe simply something was arousing because you haven't had sex in, in a long time. So that could be a, one of the reasons as well. Uh, texter writes in, I don't think this is a good time to be engaging in intimate behavior. You don't know who or what they've touched when you're not with them. Well, that's, uh, so are you talking even in your own relationship, your own long-term relationships? I mean, Generally speaking, I think practicing good hygiene, when you come home from out, outdoors, you wash your hands. Before you engage in sex, you wash your hands. I mean, we can't control everything, right? If our partner's out working and you're out working and, and there's some things we, you do your best, but you can't really control. Like I was thinking about this in my office today, And I have, you know, I had like nine people, more than that, come into my office today. And I don't know, like I can't ask everybody to fill out a questionnaire, like where they've been or whatever. Nobody was coughing. Nobody uh, was sick. But I have disinfectant wipes in the office. I wipe down the handles. I uh, Anything anybody touches or whatever I touch, I wash. But that's as much as I think I can do. What else can, what else can we do? Right. I, I know this is a concern for everybody, but it's a good question. The part about sexuality, especially when it involves uh, exchanging uh, uh, saliva. Right. And, and, and bodily fluids in that respect. So I think that if you're out there casually dating, maybe maybe this is a good time to hold back a little bit. And and uh, and that might be actually uh, good advice, at least for for now, because you're right, you don't know where the the person has been, but again, you can be in somebody's vicinity too, 
and uh, not necessarily making out with them. So I guess we'd all want to be careful. Uh, Coming up, we're going to talk about sexual communication. Let's see if you're on this uh, merry-go-round of just not being able to um, communicate, which creates all kinds of oftentimes resentment, especially in the realm of sexuality. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Tell me if this cycle sounds familiar to you. Trial, error, trial, error, stop trying, stay quiet, feel shame, grow apart, get resentful. That's a, a kind of a, a, a typical cycle when sexual communication is lacking. Um, and this is oftentimes when people end up in my, in my office, right? When they get to the point of growing apart and getting resentful. This is, these are generally couples that have had difficulty, not just communicating in general, but especially communicating about sexuality. And this is a skill. Sexual communication is a skill. It's a necessary skill that we all have to learn, but who the heck teaches us this, right? That's part of the problem. So here's some things for you to think about before you, when we we talk about like, what does this mean to, to sexually communicate, right? So these are some of the things to think about. How do I talk about what it is that I want? How do I address my own desire? How do I make these requests in a healthy way? How do I talk about sensitive things without making my partner feel inadequate or bad? How do I feel about my attraction to my partner? Are there things I'm holding back from saying to my partner? Are there desires that I have not yet expressed to my partner? How do I bring up these new desires or these acts that I might be interested in trying? What is it that holds me back from talking about what I want? We're talking about obviously sexually and in the bedroom here. How do I react when my partner raises these kinds of issues with me? And think about what feels easy for you to talk about with regards to sexuality and what is difficult. Which areas are particularly difficult with regards to sexuality? Also, how do I flirt? How do I seduce? Like wanting to find out from your partner, like how they like to be seduced or flirted with, etc. So where do we get, like, where do we learn this skill? If you're good at it, where did you learn how to be an effective sexual communicator? Or do you think you could use a little help in this department? 514-800. You can also call in at 514-790-0800. Clearly, most of us have not really had um, a role, like a sexual 
role model, right? But also, we all can feel quite sensitive when it comes to uh, sexuality. And so it, because of this sensitivity and a lot of the shame that's attached to it and, and discomfort and all of that, when we talk about it, sometimes it's, we, we feel kind of defensive when discussing sex. If you're going to be defensive, so I want you to think about this because I want you to start changing some patterns here, maybe trying some stuff out with your partner. If you're going to get defensive, like if you're opening up the door to exploring some of these questions that I just posed now to your partner and you're going to be defensive, it will not work. The most important thing about sexual communication is your ability and your willingness to be vulnerable, vulnerable. That's tough for a lot of us to be that vulnerable. So, so you might ask the question, like, do I, do I need to be that vulnerable if I'm in a casual relationship? No, but there's a different kind of sexual communication in terms of responsibility and consent. Those are things that we could talk about later, but when you're dating and you're having sex with somebody and you're not in a long-term relationship, the communication is important at a, at a whole other level, right? Because now you need to talk about safety and you need to talk about consent and uh, responsible sexuality and, and all of that stuff. So um, there's a lot of negotiating and a lot of discussion that goes into talking about sex, but when you talk about your wants, your deep desires, things you want to try, that requires a sense of, um, of vulnerability for you. But we, we need to learn these sexual communication skills. We are not taught anywhere, anywhere, unfortunately, um, these skills. They're not taught at school. They're not taught generally at home. Where the heck are we supposed to magically become really good lovers overnight? Can you learn a skill overnight? No, it's something that you have to practice. It's something that you have to make an effort at and you have to commit to learning to do it well. So it might require that you seek help to, to help you do this with somebody who can be there and, and, and help you kind of figure your, your way through that. But the first, before you even get to that, ask yourself, how am I communicating with my partner or how am I not communicating with my partner when it comes to sexuality? So the first thing you want is you want to become aware of how you interact in that area, right? How do I communicate with my partner when it comes to sexuality? Are we in this cycle of trial, error, trial, error, stop trying, stay quiet, feel shame, grow apart, get resentful? Have you ever caught yourself in that cycle? And maybe your relationship ended because of this cycle. Of course, if it did, you don't want to repeat it with um, another partner. But I, I want to know from you, like, what is, what is good sexual communication to you? And have you been able to develop this in 
your um, relationship. And I'm talking to all ages here, right? It, it has to do with all ages. It's not just young people or older people. Uh, a lot of people have difficulty talking about it. Maybe the younger generation is has more tools at their disposal, right? They can Google things. They can uh, figure stuff out a little bit more. We, they may have better models than um, than I know that we did because we didn't have access to all this information or all this uh, this education. So I'm just curious to know, how did you develop that? This text writes in, I'm 54, separated male. When I talk to women, they think I'm hitting on them and push me away. I've decided to stop talking to women, present company excluded. I don't know, but what are you saying to the women? I'm, I'm curious. What do you mean when you just talk to them, they feel you're hitting on them? What are you doing that's giving them the message that you are hitting on them? Paying them a compliment? Are you close talking? Like what's happening here? Well, how, like I, I want you to think about how you are communicating. I don't know if the answer is, let me just stop talking to a whole other gender now um, because of this, but I think you have to kind of look at your behavior too. I would hate it if people just stopped talking to each other out of fear. I don't, I, I don't know. I get it if, um, if it's unsolicited, like, I don't know, more, we talked about this last night, like looter comments or pickup lines. That's kind of cheesy and creepy. So think about how you are, in fact, communicating. I'd like to hear back from you with that one. Passion Poet weighs in. Uh, When you are with someone long, things can become routine, intimate in every way, nothing you have not seen. Do you still think she's sexy? Did you recently tell her so? Why not try it? See where it may go. A little tap on the butt, a sexy comment in her ear. You can be a Romeo without being a Shakespeare. Tell her your secrets, reveal your desires. If you can start those sparks, will turn into wildfires. Thank you. So let's pick that apart for a minute. Reveal your desires, tell her your secrets. Isn't that all about vulnerability, revealing all of that. So there's a few things to think about when it comes to sexual communication. Our ability to be vulnerable, to let someone in, and not physically, but emotionally, right? Letting someone in to be, and feeling safe to be able to talk about this. If clearly, if you're in a relationship where you do not feel safe because you fear to be, uh, highly criticized or put down for anything that you're going to share, well, then your relationship needs help at another level. And it's very difficult to be vulnerable sexually when, uh, if the rest of your relationship is not, um, all that healthy. So part of vulnerability and is, is intimacy, right? Intimacy is into me, see, let somebody see into you, um, but there has to be a level of trust in the relationship to be able to do that. So we have to work backwards. If your communication isn't good, let's have a look at the how each of you feel in terms of the relationship, in terms of safety and trust and security and all of that. And if that's not good, well, then we start working at that point, right? 
Uh, and that would be a good time to go see a therapist who will help you figure out where all of these uh, feelings are coming from and what what the dance is that you two are dancing uh, to be able to um, figure out where the problems lie. And then we can start talking about having good sexual communication once we deal with all the other uh, issues that are getting in the way of, uh, of sexuality. Coming up, we'll talk about how sexual communication differs from non-sexual communication. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Tonight we're talking about uh, communication, but more specifically sexual communication. And I don't know if you found yourself in a cycle where you have a hard time communicating about your needs, your desires, where you get into this trial and error kind of loop, and then at some point you just stop trying altogether. Like you're trying to talk to your partner, it doesn't work. You're trying something else, it doesn't work. And then you decide, all right, I'm just going to not bring it up anymore. Then you start to grow apart. You start to feel resentful towards your partner. And then it gets, it. then it becomes this huge elephant in the room. Okay. The, the sex issue, whatever it is, becomes a, a, a huge elephant in the room. And usually we find that when uh, couples have a really hard time communicating about sex, which is a very sensitive topic for many of us because we didn't grow up with those kinds of role models and, and we didn't learn this particular skill. It's, it's not the same as regular communication. It really is particular to our needs and our wants and our feelings. And so requires far more vulnerability than uh, regular communication does. Now, my colleague wrote an interesting piece on this, Justin Lee Miller. You should check out his uh, Facebook and and website. He's got some really great things there. He's he's an amazing researcher in the field of sexuality. Um, But he... uh, talked about some of the studies that have found that the more sexual communication couples engage in, the more sexually satisfied they tend to be. Is there any surprise for you there? The better your sexual communication, the more more satisfied sexually you will be. Makes perfect sense, right? And why do we need to study this kind of thing? We need to study sexual communication because we need to know how people approach sexuality. We need to start to understand why some couples or some individuals avoid sexual communication. And it'll help us, um, it'll help these struggling couples to have more effective communication if we know where the breakdown is. So there was a recent study that was published in the Archives of Sexual Behavior, which actually looks at a comparison of the communication patterns, uh, and they observed this in real couples, sexual and non-sexual discussions. It took place in Canada. Uh, they did. They looked at 115 different sex couples in, in Canada. They were all in long-term relationships. They'd been together for on average about 11 years 
And then they had the, uh, the people engage in two eight minute conflict discussions, which were then video recorded. One discussion focused on a sexual problem facing the couple while the other focused on a non-sexual relationship problem. And then, uh, before each discussion, they rated their current mood state as well. So then they were coded. So there's all these protocols for this kind of stuff. Uh, and they looked at the amount of warmth and hostility and dominant submissiveness that were, uh, displayed. So those were the, the, the factors that they looked at, but this is what they, uh, they found as they predicted the participants, uh, who displayed, uh, they displayed more warmth when discussing a sexual conflict compared to a non sexual conflict, which they say suggests that people seem to be more responsive to one another when talking about sex compared to other relationship matters. So they're maybe a little more careful, right? Choosing their words, let's say. Uh, Levels of warmth varied more during the sexual discussion relative to the non-sexual discussion. However, this was only true for women. Uh, the authors of the study believe this may be because people tend to adjust their warmth more when discussing sensitive subjects like sex in order to manage their partner's emotional experience. They, they want to not hurt somebody's feelings, for example. There were no differences in levels of dominance displayed in the sexual and non-sexual scenarios. The researchers expected to find that people would display less dominance during sexual conflict, but that wasn't the case. Uh, What else did they found? When one partner displayed warmth, the other tended to respond in kind. That's a good little tip right there. Uh, In other words, warmth was greeted with warmth. However, this tendency emerged more often in sexual versus non-sexual conflict. Uh, and participants said they felt more anxious prior to discussing a sexual conflict than a non-sexual conflict. So what does this mean? These results reveal uh, a lot about the nature of sexual communication and how it is similar to and different from non-sexual communication. The pattern of findings suggests that people tend to see higher stakes when discussing sexual conflicts, which may be why a lot of us avoid talking about sex altogether, um, but also why we seem to approach sexual communication maybe more cautiously than non-sexual communication, which is not a bad thing to tell you the truth, to approach it a little more cautiously, meaning that we are more careful um, about the way we discuss this with our partner about, we want to protect our, our partner's feelings as well. But then when you protect too much, like there's a fine line, right? Then you avoid because you don't want to come off as being critical or you don't want your partner to take it as criticism. And I said in the beginning, if you're going to be defensive in this kind of situation, it will not work. You cannot hear your partner when you are on the defensive and when you take everything that's being said as a criticism, but you also, the person talking and sharing has to make sure that it's done in a, uh, in a much more, uh, positive, positive way. If it's all about complaints, well, then it's going to be very easy to 
um, to get defensive. A couple of comments here at 514-800. Uh, whales and dolphins can communicate over hundreds of miles to find mates. No internet, no phone. Direct communication. Too bad humans cannot. Uh, most couples with children, even teens, avoid conversation regarding sex, even slight comments. Well, which is why you really don't have any models for uh, for communication about sexuality, even like some of the more basic things, even answering questions and what have you, we don't even have that. So uh, it's very hard to develop a skill if nobody teaches you this skill. And it's so funny. Sometimes people think like, oh, you get married or you you, you, you get in a long-term relationship and suddenly you're supposed to have this. It's, you're supposed to be really good at this. Well, but who's teaching you how to be really good at this? Like it's something that needs to be practiced and you need to have self-awareness. So there's like several levels here that are required. Uh, hi, Dr. Laurie. Is talking about our sexual past a form of vulnerability? And if so, is every story worth telling? I have done things that be that can be kind of funny when I think about it, but can be repulsive for others. Guess it's different for everybody. Wish, But I wish I will meet that special someone who can understand the context those things happened. I'm a man. Really love your show. Well, thank you. So sharing your sexual past cuz that's that's interesting when we're talking about sexual communication we're not necessarily talking about sharing your past although that can certainly be an opening to hey I'd like to try that too with you or hey I did something really funny and what did you do that was funny and like you can you can kind of open a conversation like that but it's far more about uh talking with each other about what what is it that you like? What is it that I like? How can I make it better for you? How, um, how do I feel about certain things? How do I feel about certain sexual um, acts, for example? Uh, sharing one's <clears throat> fantasies or desires or potential things they'd like to try. Uh, things like that it requires more vulnerability than sharing stories from your past because you also have to remember who you're talking to when you're sharing these stories. As you said, not everybody may understand it, but if you have good sexual communication and good communication overall and trust and vulnerability, then hopefully you can share some of these, uh, these past stories coming up. We'll talk about the, uh, the how to's we'll give you a few uh, concrete tips into how to begin these conversations. with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Talking about uh, sexual communication tonight, different kind of communication, something, a skill that we all, we all should learn really because it's uh, quite vital in our relationships if we want to have a healthy uh, a healthy sex life as well with our partner. Uh, Texter writes, what about how can I love you the way you like to be loved? Well, that's also a form of communication and that kind of thing. So absolutely, um, 
the, because it, we've talked about the, the languages of love, your partner may have a different language of love or may express it in a different way or may need it to be expressed a certain way. So we have to be sensitive to what is it our partner needs as well. So if we're talking about ha- the hows, one of the things you have to, fir- the, the very first thing is if you're in a hetero- heterosexual relationship, understand that men and women respond and think differently. Wow. Big, big revelation, right? We think differently. Don't assume that the way you respond is the way your partner's going to respond because we often make, especially when it comes to sexual responses, right? I hear this many, many times, like a woman comes in and she says, uh, I, I have trouble with orgasms. There's something wrong with me. My husband thinks there's something wrong with me. He's never seen this before. And why? Because she's not having orgasms during penetration. And so he thinks there's something wrong with her. And he sends her and says, you need to go get help. You need to fix this. There's something wrong with you. Well, there's nothing wrong with her because she can have orgasms in other ways, but somehow he believes that this is the way, right? Because in his past, maybe he's had a few uh, lovers who have orgasms through penetration and he thinks there's something wrong with his wife. Of course, little does he know that maybe they might have faked it before or what have you. But 75% of women need that clitoral stimulation and intercourse alone isn't going to to do it. So we need to understand that... um, Men and women need different things. They have different uh, needs. They respond differently to sex. They respond differently to touch. Uh, even in terms of desire, for example. We, I talk about this all the time, right? Talking about male and female desire. But I want you to think about it like this. Women are like dimmer switches where men are the on-off switch. It's easier for men to flick, flick the switch and be on. And women need time. They need time to get in the mood. So it's not always a spontaneous flick the switch. I'm in the mood. Let's get to it. No, they need that time and they need that stimulation in order to kick in the, uh, the desire. So those are like two very basic differences and major differences that often lead to misunderstanding, frustration, and blame unfortunately. So that's a starting point. Of course, I'm talking about, especially when there are issues in the relationship, right? Sexual communication is far more important when there are issues in the relationship. It's important all the time, but some couples are better at expressing what they want and and their desires and all of that. Um, But when there's a problem, it's even more vital to discuss it. So one of the things you've got to figure out first is what is bothering you before you sit down and you talk to your partner, figure out what is it that is bothering you. Then you have to talk about what it is that you want. It's that is difficult and it's often more difficult for women. Women have been taught that you don't talk about sex like that. This is not nice girls. Don't do that, you know, or things like that. And some of us still have some of these old, uh, these old beliefs. The other thing is women think that men know exactly what they need or that they should know. We're not very good mind readers, folks. Like we do not read minds. 
if we can barely communicate with our words, how can we expect each, each other to read each other's minds? It's not going to happen. We are not good at, uh, at reading minds. So do not expect or think that your partner knows exactly what you want because he should, or she should. You have to be able to, um, verbalize that. Texter writes in, I wish that women would love sex as much as I do to the point where they work on it as hard as I do. Well, it's not that women don't, don't like sex or don't love sex or what have you. You just, you may have a higher desire and meeting women who are not, who may not have the same level of desire as you. A movie as good as it gets, Nicholson plays a romance writer and a woman asks him, how do you write women so well? And he says, I think like a woman and remove reason and accountability, LOL. <laughs> All right. Another thing, of course, is um, you you need to start the conversation, right? Um, I wouldn't exactly try to do this in bed at the moment that it's happening. I mean, you, you can, but you kind of build up to that. So during a sexual encounter, it might be a little more difficult to, to verbalize it and say, go here, go there, do this. Um, you can actually show your partner. You can place your partner's hand in a position where you want it or where you want to be touched. You can offer brief instructions like faster, harder, lighter, more, things like that. So it doesn't have to be, um, such an elaborate conversation. Okay. These are, if we're talking about in the bedroom during the act, these are the the kinds of things you can do to learn, uh, at least to express what it is or how you like to be touched and to get your partner, because your partner is going to want to know you're each of us. We have our own roadmaps. And if we don't give our partner the directions to our roadmap, why should they guess it? They're just going to go the same old road that they've used on other people and maybe that won't work for you. So it's important that we need to, uh, talk about that. A uh, text writes in first thing, you must be able to talk. If she cannot open up to you, the problem is not her, it's you. Well, maybe there's a safety feeling, right? If, uh, the person, if your partner doesn't feel like she can talk to you, she doesn't feel, uh, secure and safe enough to be able to express these things. So that's a a possibility. Of course, you can also have conversations when you're not having a uh, sexual encounter, be able to just have a talk like a a casual talk about sex, whether you're in the car one day where you're going for a walk or something like that. Uh, And here you want to use general skills like Try to always remember a couple of things. I always tell people start your, uh, conversations with an I statement. So never use the word you or why. So no, you no why, when you say, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? That when you start a, a conversation with that, you're putting the other person in a defensive mode already. When you say you, you don't do this or you, 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 that also puts the person on the defensive. So I statements is very important. Like, I think it would help me get turned on more if something like that. 
because otherwise, if you're going to say the you, you would be saying something like, you don't know how to do this, or you don't know how to turn me on. Which one do you think is going to be more effective? Think about that. So that's a basic relationship uh, or a basic communication uh, skills. Also, you can, um, may want to teach your partner how, right? You may, um, if you're comfortable with this, you may want to masturbate and show your partner how you like to, uh, you like your clitoris to be stimulated. For example, you can watch, um, videos together. There are educational videos. If you go, there's the intimacy Institute. If you Google them, you'll find there's a series of, of like how to videos that looks at a bunch of different uh, techniques, which is also really good. There's some great books you can read together. There's one called becoming clitorate that just came out, uh, which is great. There's another book called, uh, she comes first. So learning is, is really good. Remember this bottom line, it is easier to learn to talk about sex than it is to learn to read minds. Please remember that it's easier to learn to talk about sex than it is to learn to read minds. We will never be good folks at reading minds. So now go and communicate with your partner and let me know how it goes. If you have difficulty then reach out, reach out for, to, to see a couples therapist, um, one who specializes in, in sexuality. You need a referral, write to me. I can see you. I can refer you to some, some of my colleagues. Be happy to Lori at drlori.com. That's it for me. Thank you so much for uh, all of your texts. I want to, um, let you know that I will be away for the next couple of days, but Paris Mansory will be sitting in for me. She's got a lineup of interesting guests and panels. Uh, I'll be gone a couple of days and uh, hopefully I'll be back in this chair uh, healthy. (laughs) That would be a good thing. Uh, Thank you to Chris Aiken in uh, Master Control. You can connect with me on uh, social media at Dr. Lori Batito. Don't forget you've got the podcasts as well that you can access anytime that are on my website uh, at uh, drlori.com. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.